Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, or just trying to rediscover your why. I am your host, Harsha Boralesa, and this podcast came from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you on your path to greater success and fulfillment in your career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. It's not about working harder. It's about working smarter and building good connections. They need to share the wins. They need to share what the good things are happening because those are the things that are going to get them the promotions. You have to go back in the past to understand it. Don't live in it. Another aspect of networking, you don't have to always make it about yourself, but by lifting others up, we actually lift ourselves up. Welcome to episode 67 of the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. Our guest today is Tony Martinetti. Before we begin, I wanted to thank all the listeners of the podcast and YouTube channel for their support. We now have over 270 clips on the YouTube channel with a range of topics, including job search, mindset, communication, and leadership. We are close to 300 subscribers. If you enjoy the content, please do subscribe and help us pass 300. Please note that in this episode, we may touch on mental health and wellness topics purely in general terms. If you have specific issues or concerns, please contact a suitable professional. Now back to the show. Tony is a trusted advisor, leadership coach, best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker. He brings together over 25 years of business and leadership experience and extreme curiosity to elevate leaders and equip them with the tools to navigate through change and unlock their true potential. He has been recognized by Thinkers360 as one of the top voices in leadership and by Leaders Hum as one of the biggest voices in leadership in 2023. Before becoming the founder and chief inspiration officer of Inspired Purpose Partners, Tony was a finance and strategy executive with experience working with some of the world's leading life sciences companies. Tony hosts the Virtual Campfire podcast and is the author of Climbing the Right Mountain and Campfire Lessons for Leaders. Welcome, Tony. Thank you so much. Just hearing you read through my bio, I'm like, wow, who is this guy? I love this guy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm so honored to be here. And, um, you know, I'm so thrilled that we've had the opportunity to get to know each other throughout the years, but especially in person recently, which was really amazing. Yeah. And, and Tony likes Indian food. And I was happy to give him a good recommendation to an Indian restaurant in London when he was here. Oh, it was amazing. Thank you so much. We're recording this the day after Thanksgiving, so I'm grateful for Tammy Guru Loeb for connecting us and all the US listeners for supporting the show. What about you, Tony? Wow. I mean, this question is is one that could open up a treasure trove of yeah, thankfuls. Of thank, thank yous. Um, you know, I have to start by saying thank you for my wife and son for being so uh, supportive in my journey to getting to the work that I'm to do the work I'm doing. Um, there's been a roller coaster ride, uh, but it is something that I'm grateful for. Um, and all the people who have supported me, you know, this is not something we go alone in the process of creating the work we do. You know, maybe I'm the face of it, but there's a lot of people who have supported me on the journey. And so I'm grateful for all those people, including Tammy. Very good. But I think that, that brings up a really good point. Yeah. Life doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. But I do think that 
if you're working together with people who are on the same path or on the same journey, we can all help each other rise. Yeah, I'll start by answering that, um, answering, responding to that with a quote that I love sharing. Um, and that is something that's really driven, driven me over the past few years. And this quote is, um, amateurs compete and professionals create. And whether you're inside an organization or you're outside of an organization starting an entrepreneurial path, um, this quote of amateurs compete, professionals create is all about how you look at the world of are you seeing it as an abundant game where you can work with others to create something bigger, collaborate, or are you seeing it as, hey, I need to beat the other person to the game. I need to um, stay closed and you know keep my ip you know to myself so that no one else can see it uh there are a lot of people who do that and honestly i think they're they're only limiting themselves yeah and i I think that's a really interesting point about ideas because you know sometimes i think there are obviously there clearly are some original ideas but actually it's it's the way people take the ideas and tailor it and actually make it their own and add their own personal story to it. I mean, something like mm. mindset is something that has been around for a long time. But I think mm. the first time you hear it, if you're new to it, it's a hugely uh, interesting concept and quite groundbreaking. But but mm. you have to add your own personal experience of you know, how, how I encountered it and how it changed my life. And I think everybody's story is unique. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and it's interesting how you say mindset is, you know, people often pay homage to Carol Dweck and, you know, her work on growth mindset. And, you know, we're not going to forget about her work. And also we're going to build on it, which I think is yes. amazing. It comes back to this concept of transcending and including. You include the things that come before you, but then you transcend it. And we've done the same thing with um, Amy Edmondson's work around psychological safety, which has like it's foundational, but there's also uh, a lot of people who have taken the idea and said, okay, well, there's more to be done here and there's more ways to look at it. But we always pay homage to her in terms of like really taking the idea and starting with it. So that's a great example of, you know, sharing what I just said earlier. We don't have to be like, oh, well, she's done that. Now I've got to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, love that. So, so Tony, I'm a big fan of the arts. Is there a performer, mm. song, book, or film which you'd like to share with our listeners? And hopefully, it's a, a not a personal development book. <laughs> <laughs> I will avoid those because there's plenty of those. I yeah. mean, there's so many different things I could get into because I love the arts myself. Um, oh, cool. You know, when I when I came to London recently, I was like, oh, my kid in a candy candy store, right? I love museums. But there's one thing that I absolutely love, one piece of art that I particularly love. And it's actually a, a piece that's local to me. It's called All the Flowers Are For Me. It's basically a big, big black um, metal box that's put into a room and then a light is shined inside of it. Um, and it's by this Pakistani um, uh, artist. And she does this work. Um, there's a few pieces of hers around the world. But this particular piece speaks to me because it is um, one of these things that, you know, when you put a light inside of somebody, you might see something that illuminates who they really are. Um, and I've written about this a couple of times, how it's about illuminating who we really are from the inside out. But if you don't put the light on inside, all it is is just a big metal box. 
So. Oh, no, love that choice. Uh, that that's a first for the show. So yeah, that that's yeah. great. Well, well done, Tony. Um, so back to the start. You graduated from Northeastern University with a degree in business administration. Was there any particular strategy behind that? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was kind of a um, a second choice. Um, so I got into Northeastern first as a pre med major. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a radiologist, to be, to be honest with you. What happened was after the first few years, I realized that this is not that was not my calling. Yeah. It was just something that I felt like was it was thrust upon me because I liked the sciences and I originally wanted to be an architect, but you know, people were telling me, hey, you need to do something that's gonna make you money and also, <laughs> you know, have give you a life that you can, you know, feed your family and all that. Yeah. And so I got into that field because I was like, oh, radiology sounds kind of cool. And I realized it wasn't. So I quickly made a pivot into business because I thought of it as the language of how things get done. And I'm glad I did because it was just a, a great place for me to be. I learned a lot of great things and um, it led me down a path of actually being able to combine those two things together. I ended up working in the biotech field um, where I was able to use business but also work in a field that is related to the sciences. So, no, and I, I really like that story, Tony. How you actually you looked at the reality of this situation, and rather than sort of just persisting in a field which is, you know is clearly lucrative, um, you know, both my parents are, are, are doctors, and mm-hmm. you know I, I was thinking about being a medic as well, but I also realised it, it wasn't for me. So I just liked the way that you almost took control of the situation rather than let it happen to you. You were on the front foot. Uh, so yeah, love that. And and mm-hmm. and then sort of moving into sort of life science as a finance and strategy executive. I mean, clearly you had a a successful career there. So can you share with our listeners some of the lessons um, and learnings that helped you achieve success? One of the first thing I'll I'll mention about this is is being able to take measured risks, knowing that you're going to be out there um, putting plans together and knowing that you you can't bet the farm on everything you do. And so I learned a lot about like how, you know, we put these plans together, but we got to make sure we understand what what are we putting at risk by doing certain options. Uh, I actually think about that often now, where people think, okay, like I'd love to try this out, I'd love to try this out, or try different options. And I'm like, that's great. Let's let's look at the possibilities, but look at what are the risks involved with trying those things out. Because I want you to be expansive. I want you to think about what's available to you, but I also want you to think about what am I leaving behind if I do take that leap? Weigh the risks. Um, is it life-threatening if you actually take this chance? Sometimes I guess it could be, but most of the time it's not. Um, it's just you're you're taking a, a chance to try something different. So that's a big lesson I learned. I also learned that um, working in a finance role in a in an industry that saves lives, that you have to connect your meaning to the work. And if you're willing to push the boundaries of of how you define the work, um, it can be a lot more expansive. So when I started to do um, have meetings with people, I actually eventually found myself having opportunities to uh, connect with patients and realize that they appreciate the work that I do as a person who enables the science. I was a catalyst for science. And I think that was such a lovely connection because I realized that I'm not just a cog in the wheel. I'm actually part of the engine that creates impact. And then I wanted to do more of that as I went along. 
No, I, I just love that, Tony. I think that last point is really helpful because I think in any organization or in, in any team, I think people want to feel involved and feel part of the team. Um, and I think then they feel mm. that there's much greater agency, then they actually take responsibility. They don't just view this as a nine to five or a nine to six. So I think it's a win-win on both sides. Uh, if the employee feels engaged, uh, but also for the manager, they can um, trust that um, employee a bit more. I mean, what do you think, Tony? Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that's this is this became my calling in a sense inside of the field the field of finance within biotech was to get my people to see how their work matters and how they can take agency over their work to to make change. Um, and I think this also came from uh, working with some amazing leaders. I worked for a company called Genzyme, where the CEO there always had had this like mantra that stuck, sticks with me today and says that the patients are waiting. The patients are waiting for us. Uh, we can't waste time. Everything matters. And so we have to constantly be moving the needle forward. No matter where you are in the company, you have to be thinking, what can I do to make a difference? And I think that really had an impact on how I thought about leadership um, and, and how I led the people who I worked with to say, hey, like, let's think about what's impactful here. How can we make sure that we're doing the best possible work we can because the patients are waiting for us? Oh, cool. Was that interest in leadership? Was that what led you to founding Inspired Purpose Partners and focusing on leadership? To an extent, yeah. I mean, I've always had this, uh, you know, innate feeling that like I love, uh, I'm curious about how leaders lead and and what, you know, what it was all about. I mean, I've always had a curiosity, but I think there was, there was also some leaders who I worked for who were not so great. And I realized, gosh, like there's gotta be a better way. Um, there's gotta be some, some way to, to build better leadership and to have that leadership trickle down throughout the organization. So I always had this, like in the back of my mind, what, else can we do to build better leaders? Uh, what, you know, what's missing here? And, um, you know, oftentimes I would say, hey, that's great. And then I would just continue on my day and just, you know, do the work I was doing because I was so busy. And then I finally started to, to realize that, man, this thing is calling to me and I have to, I have to listen. Um, and so there was a very, uh, very big moment that called me into the, you know, the work I do now, but ultimately it was those little moments along the way that led to me really being interested in doing this work. Fantastic. So is this whole interest in leadership, is that what led you to write your book, Climbing the Right Mountain? Uh, and what are the, some yeah. of the key skills to develop to become a better leader? Because I think for some of our listeners, yeah. they're sort of good at the the technical piece, and that's helped them, you know, rise up. And I think for people who are maybe worried about leadership, I, I, th- I think it's one of those things that you can get better at. I, I think some people may be slightly more inclined, but you can learn and get better. I mean, what, what do you think, Tony? Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, I'll talk a bit about the the book because I think it's an interesting reflection. It came from, uh, from, I had started working in the field of coaching and leadership development. And I started to reflect on what I was hearing from people. And I realized that their stories were not unlike mine in the sense that I was working so hard to get to the top of my mountain and realize that it wasn't for me. 
it wasn't even, I didn't like the view at the top of my mountain and I needed to think differently about the ascent and connect with what does success really mean to me? How do I want to lead in the, in the world? You can't like expect that success will happen at the top of the mountain. You have to lead with a mindset of who, how can I be happy now? How can I be the person I want to be now? And then eventually along the way, all those things come to you. All the things that you want will come to you as you climb because you have the mindset of fulfillment. I'm fulfilled now because I know who I want to be. I know what I want to experience. And I also know that it's going to be tough. Um, growth is innately tough. Um, but those that mindset shift of defining success, thinking differently, really um, shifted who I was, but also got me to think about how I want to help other people navigate. Um, so that's really what the book was about. But it also came from this, um, the idea of like what I saw a lot of people struggling with in their work life. But, but I like that point you make about you know, thinking about the mountain, because, you know, um, some people pick a mountain and it's not the right mountain. So when you get to the top, you think, yeah. like, where, wh- what do I do now? So I, I think it's very yeah. much about being honest with yourself. Um, and I think I've heard this uh, from you before uh, and having those honest conversations and saying, really, what does success look like for me? Um, I mean, say with this uh, podcast, um, I never thought that, um, you know, I would get to 67 episodes. I never thought I'd have the great Tony Martinetti on my podcast. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's literally doing one episode at a time and then, um, you know, learning from that, uh, picking up learnings. Hopefully you're getting better and eradicating the mistakes of the past. Um, mm. and then thinking, okay, this is something interesting. You, you pursue it. Um, but really also just being honest and saying, what is it that I enjoy doing? I mean, yeah. and, and trying to align that with, yeah, you know, other things. I mean, what, what are your thoughts about that, Tony, about having those honest conversations? hundred percent. I think that's the, you know, I often say the first honest conversation is with yourself and really understanding like, who do I, who am I really? And what has made me who I am? And don't look to this, to the outside view of, of what that is. Cause society has its own way of influencing what that looks like. We have to be honest with ourselves about like, what do I really want? You know, and it's not to say we shouldn't strive for amazing achievements. We should, if that's what we want, but do for the right reasons, do for the reasons that, that matter to us. And, um, I also wanted to like tap into, cause I didn't really feel like I answered your last question fully because how do you get there? How do you become that leader? It's part of this is also about self-leadership. Yep. When you really understand, you know, become aware of who you are, awareness in that self-leadership journey, it becomes this like way of seeing how I'm getting in my own way. I'm getting in in the path of of my own greatness because I'm starting to see that um, I'm prescribing to something that is not me. I'm you know getting stuck in a hamster wheel of of the work politics, and I need to stop that and get back to who am I at my core? Who do I want to be now? Um, and when we do that, we start to become much better leaders. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think it's that sort of self-awareness. You're figuring out where is it I want to get to, but then also that inner questioning. Um, and and yeah. sometimes we think, oh, we're amazing. But actually, 
maybe look at it from you know what does that other person think of me uh and and, and sometimes getting that feedback from a trusted friend or yeah. or a colleague who will give it to you straight and they won't sugarcoat it 100 yeah i said i i kind of said like it's an internal thing but it is also you have to get feedback from outside for, um, sources that you trust in also keeping in mind that you have to filter it within your own understanding of who you are. So I, I do a lot of 360s and, you know, a lot, oftentimes the, the results come back and it's like, whoa, I didn't realize that was, that was happening. I'm like, yeah, but you also have to see it from the lens of like how they're experiencing you. Maybe their, their view of the world is also influenced by their own understanding of, of what's going on. So you have to be careful. Not all feedback is created equal. So you have to be able to take it in, understand what you want to do with it. But if you see some truth coming through that and you say, wow, I think they're, I think they're right about that. And this is someone I trust. And so I'm really, I'm reacting to it. And I, and I think I want to action on that because I realize that that could be true. Yeah. And, and, and also I suppose, you know, change uh, can't happen overnight, mm. but um, you should be sort of kind to yourself. I think at least if you're, uh, going down that path, you're trying to put things into place. Um, mm. Things things aren't going to change overnight. But at least I think if you, you know, going back to mindset, if you've changed your mindset, and and one thing I, I really like about mindset is that it, it's a sort of a set of beliefs which you have mm. about yourself and have about the world, and to some extent you can change them. So if you start thinking, well, I can do these things. Uh, okay, I may not be able to do it yet. But in the future, I, I can uh, achieve yeah. these things. Um, and, and even if you don't quite get there, if, if you've done 80% or 90%, that's still a huge achievement uh, and mm-hmm. something that we should be proud of in a way. Yeah, I, I think you just you just triggered me now. I'm triggered. Um, <laughs> in a good in way. A good way. <laughs> uh, I want to share. So I talk a lot about grounded leadership. Yeah. And um, there's a mindset that goes along with that, which has three C's because everyone's got a framework, right? (laughs) Um, But my three C's are um, curiosity, Mm. compassion, and connection. And so we have to continue to stay curious about ourselves, um, what's going on, but also the external world. It's an inside outside. And then compassion about ourselves, you know, not to get too hard on ourselves about when we don't feel like we're, we're measuring up to what we want because there's always a chance to try again, the, you know, every day we begin again, and then compassion with others, because when people don't measure up to what we want them to be, well, we have to be able to, you know, help them to get where we want to see them go. And then the last part is connection is that, you know, we can't be an isolated being, we have to like connect with others, we have to be in connection. And it's not just about the surface, you have to get deeper, um, get the honest conversations going, that's connection. So I think those three elements are what lead us down this path of like being able to be a better leader, but also having that sense of knowing that we're um, able to to have a better relationship with people around us. And I love this idea of connection that you talked about. And I think Mm -hmm. for people, especially sort of post-pandemic, um, one thing that struck me was that, or even during the pandemic, that it's much easier to form 
relationships um, with people, um, and especially if you um, have a, a relatively similar view of the world. But but even if you don't, you can still form relationships re- relatively quickly. Now, say with this podcast, 95% of my guests I've never actually met in person. So actually, Tony, you're the first person who I've met in person before they've appeared on my show, um, which is bizarre. But yeah, as we're talking now, um, yeah, it seems like a very smooth conversation and we've known each other for a long time. Um, so I think it does, it's amazing how quickly you can build rapport, you can build connections. And I think we have much more in common than, than that divide it divides us but also i think when we're talking about um building connections say somebody like robert cialdini you know the famous psychologist he always talks about you know looking for commonalities you know did you go to go to the same college um do you live in the same town do you like the same food and you have these very trivial connections but they build to something more meaningful um i mean what do you think tony hundred percent. I mean, like it's a, the small things that matter, right? And I think those are the things that build up and create, I'll use the word and this sounds a little bit wonky, but social capital, a yeah. capital that we can exchange and want to, and want to exchange to help each other build up um, and help, you know, make impact in the world. Um, and I think for those who are listening, who are inside of like, you know, a company and saying to themselves, like, how do I, uh, influence others? How do I create impact? Well, it starts with conversations. Um, and which has me thinking about this quote, which, you know, you're like, I'm the king of quotes here. But um, <laughs> Judith Glazier is the author of Conversational Intelligence. And she's passed away a few years ago. She had this amazing quote, which I'm going to butcher, that everything happens through conversation. We have to realize that if you want to make anything happen, it has to happen through a conversation. So have your conversations be better and understand people better and don't just have it at the surface level make sure you go deeper get to know people have those you know figure out what you have in common but also under understand the differences and respect them um and i think that's where we get to to create a much stronger connection and i love that point and and i think this goes on nicely into say um you know if you're working in an organization and you know you're doing good work but you don't feel that you're getting uh the promotion that you deserve um yeah. and you're being overlooked i think that you know it could be one of the ways that you try and get your message out there there are some people who are very good at doing the work but they're not very good at sh- sharing it and yeah. there are some people who really don't do very much work but who are very good at promoting themselves and i'm not saying you should promote nothing yeah you know, but if there is something that you've done do try and you know uh, share it with other people 100% and i have a uh, hbr article coming out about uh, about humility and how it can get in the way and oftentimes one of the elements of humility is self-promotion we're afraid to self-promote because it feels icky but the reality is it can get in the way um if we don't promote ourselves we actually hinder the opportunities for our teams so we have to do it in a way that lifts other people up as well as ourselves um so we have to get the the tone right and i'll also mention something and i think this is um Hopefully it doesn't go on too long, but one of the things that really helped me a lot along the way and and led to opportunities, not just promotions, is this idea of the um, curiosity conversations. These conversations that along the way, as I was in my in, in industry, I would set up conversations with people who I just wanted to get to know better 
And so I didn't have an intention of like, oh, I'm going to them. I want to get a job or, hey, I want to, you know, get X, Y, and Z. What I would do is I would set up conversations to get to know them and learn about, you know, what do they do? What are the things they like about their jobs? What are the challenges? What are some areas that they're that they're seeing along the horizon? And as I got to have these conversations, I also shared a bit about who I am, what I do, and, you know, what are the things on my horizon and made it a conversation, not a preach and not a one way pulling at them yeah. through these curiosity conversations. I got job opportunities. I got, you know, opportunities to collaborate. Um, and it really built my social capital in a big way. And I think that's something when people get Passover promotions, go out and have some curiosity conversations, you know, uh, find out what's going on. What is the tone there? You'll learn more in those conversations than you ever would by just, you know, going and trying to do work harder and harder and harder. It's not about working harder. It's about working smarter and building good connections. Yeah, and, and I do love that point about you know, having these conversations. I mean, clearly, look, if it's a quarter end deadline, you don't want to be you know, stressing out the FD and having trivial conversations. But say, I know during the summer or you know just um, in the period between sort of Christmas and the New Year, when maybe yeah. people are in their office, they're, they're perhaps less busy or, or whenever it is. Just schedule a bit of time to get to know them, and I do think that if you if you can find things um, that you share that you like, uh, maybe they're a fellow artist, or they're yeah. a Patriots fan, or or whatever, <laughs> you can add value to them and say maybe yeah. oh have you thought about this or this is something that I've seen in my work maybe that might apply to you um, yeah. and and clearly look, every conversation you're you're having is not going to lead somewhere but that's not yeah. the point because it could be that that person knows somebody or if you meet somebody they know that person and you can refer to them it's really about thinking about the long game as you know our good friend Dory Clark talks about and not thinking okay how do I get immediate benefit out of these interactions. It sometimes takes time. I love it. And I just, I will share just one thing that I think is really interesting. And I learned this from somebody um, in my earlier career. And they said to me, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me. And I love that, you know, he was saying, you know, it's, if it is to be, it's up to, to you to do the work. No one's going to come to you and just say, Hey, here's this great opportunity and go make it happen. <laughs> You have to go out yeah. and make those things happen for yourself. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be some like, you know, ambitious cutthroat person. Yeah. What it means is you have to start planting seeds. Yeah. You have to be proactive about this. If you're, you know, at, at the end of the year and you're saying like, gosh, I need a promotion tomorrow and you haven't done anything to like to really plant those seeds. Well, guess what? It's going to be really challenging to have curiosity conversations or, you know, talk to people about like, how do I make that happen? Um, and and then you also come off as somebody who's like demanding as opposed to someone who's like deserving. Just love that. It's funny, Tony, you were, you were talking about the long game and and these like small conversations. A little funny story from Th uh, Thinkers 50 in London. I saw you talking to somebody and I won't really reveal who they were, but <laughs> after they had spoken to you, I thought, oh my gosh, Tony knows that person. So, and, and actually, actually I had, um, been emailing this person uh, for a little while, um, and yeah, we were connected, but clearly they were busy. Then I went up to them and literally started having a chat with them, and I said, "Oh, I'd like to yeah, have you on my podcast." And I felt really bad, but you know, the opportunity was there. But it was yeah. the fact that I had 
done the work say six months ago or nine months ago <laughs> and not and not being sort of too officious about it and was hassling this person and then literally a few weeks later i've hopefully managed to get her on my podcast in the future so it does show that these small things okay it's it's taken time but you know clearly she's this person is a very busy person very successful yeah. so it, don't think about having immediate um payback from something but hopefully if you are doing things the right way things will go in your favor and and also she knew you <laughs> <laughs> oh come on you give me too much credit <laughs> And are there any other thoughts you have, Tony, about uh, if people are looking for promotion in their organizations, what they can be doing apart from sort of building their brand and you know, speaking to people? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think the, the best thing where they can do that is to, you know, we talked about building relationships with people around, but also making sure they make a good, a good case. And you know, we talked briefly about self-promotion, but it's also about building a narrative about why it, why am I ready for that next step? What are the things that I've accomplished? Because we often don't look back enough and look at, okay, what are the things that make me ready for that promotion instead of, you know, coming from a place of entitlement, right? You know, just because you've done your time, um, you know, the air quotes here, um, the, you know, that doesn't necessarily equate to promotions. Sometimes we have to think about, what have I accomplished that sets me up for this? What are the things that I can talk about that, you know, are like the foundations for this? And oftentimes when I'm talking to people about transitions they're going through or things like that, I have them walk through, you know, these moments in the past few years that have been the big accomplishments that they're proud of. And I have them get real specific, get into the details and tell me what is it about this that they learned what is it about it that, that made an impact? And if they can get really specific, that helps them to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, here's what's happened over the past few years. And I want to make sure that you're aware of these things so that I can build a case, in a sense, for that promotion, not just come in and, you know, with guns blazing and saying like, hey, uh, I've been here two years. Where's my promotion? That's not how it works anymore. And I think the point you make about stories is so important because it's so much easier to connect with people if you can build some sort of narrative, some sort of tension, uh, and, and just tell stories because people like stories. And, yeah. and a very silly thing is there's, there's another person I was speaking to at Thinkers 50. And I was just telling, and, and they're, they're a very successful author. And I was thinking, look, I could either try and, you know, be very, you know, talk about personal development or just tell them some silly stories. Uh, Mm -hmm. I told them a few silly stories and they're saying, oh gosh, you're a really good storyteller. (laughs) And it just helps build connection. Even in your your work life, if you can, and if you're going for that promotion, if you can create these stories and have them in your back pocket. So say when you um, stepped up in a a leadership moment or you had to deal in a highly pressurized situation or how you added value to a client, whatever it is, if you have those in your back pocket those are so powerful absolutely and, I, and i'll just come back to this you know i i just got through a series doing a, a tons of tons of 360s with people so but i will say one of the things that i realized is that a lot of people do not spend enough time sharing up to their managers and to their senior leaders to tell them hey this is what's going on with the team here are some things that i'm that um that are going they're going really well and 
here are some things that I'm working through. Um, they feel as though that the time with senior leadership is so precious that they don't want to waste their time with sharing the elements of like the wins and the things yeah. that are, so they just kind of like spend the time going through all the bad things that they need to, to share. Reality is don't, they need to share the wins. They need to share what the good things are happening because those are the things that are going to get them the promotions. They're, those are the things that are going to have the leaders thinking, gosh, that person's really good at leading people, really connected to their people. They understand how to lead people because I hear stories all the time, not only from them, but also from other people about how they are focused on their people and how they're doing, not just on getting results. No, absolutely love that. So moving on to say the job search um, piece, which I'm sure you sure. you've got plenty of um, experience in that, uh, advising your clients. Now, what what sort of suggestions do you have um, for our listeners? Say if they've been laid off or they're looking for new opportunities. Yeah, um, I would start by getting super specific about what you really want, um, and I don't mean like. Maybe super specific, specific is a bit much, but I guess the first thing is people want to help. They do, although you know it's hard sometimes to get to them. The idea is that you have to get specific about what is my ask. If I were to ask a friend, a colleague, a former colleague, or person I meet in a networking event, and I were to be able to share with them the thing that I'm looking for help with, what would I tell them? If I'm just saying. I'm looking for a job in the finance industry or whatever. That's not going to help. You have to get real specific and help them to see, here's who I am. Here's where I'm headed. These are the some of the companies I'm looking at. And I'd love your help in finding opportunities in that space. You know, like getting that type of a specificity when people ask is what's going to help you get what you're looking for. Because if you just make it too broad, then how can people help you? Yeah, yeah no, I, I love that. And I think really, yeah, try try and make it as easy as possible for that other person to help you. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I totally agree with you, Tony. Most people are willing to help. And I think human beings generally, um, you know, we're wired to help each other, help the community, help yeah. people get along. Uh, so just make it as easy as as possible for that you know, person to help you say, well, I'm, I'm looking at this company. You know, do you have any um, people I can contacts, speak to yeah. or contacts or, or I'd look at this sector, which you've got experience in um, what are the issues going on? Um, but yeah, be very super specific. Uh, and, but one other thing I think that I think is important is the whole, I going back to mindset is mm. you need to get that straight because I think if you're feeling low and down about yourself, which is very easy too, I, I just can't believe anybody who says I've been you know, let go of a job. You know, even if you didn't like the job, you still yeah. feel, oh, why did they they let me go? I, it would have been better if I could have left. But I mean, what what do you think about the mindset aspect, Tony? Oh, 100%. I'm so glad you say that because I, I just jumped right into the, into the, like the, you know, the strategy here. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, think you're so right on the money. I mean, you you know, you have to take your, get yourself right first. Um, there's a lot of emotional um, recon- re- reconciling yes. that goes with that moment. And I think you have to spend some time getting there. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Get your mindset right. Um, because, you know, if you show up to an interview or to a networking event and you're still frazzled or you're still feeling down about yourself, 
it's hard to to put on that strong face. Yeah. Um, spend some time getting yourself to to build the confidence, build back your resilience. And part of that is also looking back and saying, hey, what are some things that have, you know, one of my exercises I do with coaching clients is that I do like what's called a time travel model, which is basically going back into the past, doing an inventory of who I am, what brought me here, what are the things that make me who I am, and then going into the future and saying, well, who do I want to be? What are the things that are kind of like my next thing? And when I think about that, what are the things that I have to do now to get there? Um, it's no different in a job search because when you think about it, it's like, well, this is an opportunity in a sense. I'm going to take this obstacle and I'm going to take it and make it into an opportunity. What do I want my next job to be? I don't have to rinse, wash and repeat and do the same thing I did before. What can I turn this into? So when I get clarity on that, the next step is to redefine my story based on what I now know. I want to be. And that's when you can start to share with confidence. This is who I am. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah. It's a bit like that old girlfriend or boyfriend who's left you. You just have to figure out a way to move on because they're not coming back. Yeah. And you've got to get yeah. that clear in your head first, but it takes time. And I think, you know, you have to be kind to yourself and, you know, um, whether it's a week or a month, I mean, clearly years is not good, but you do need to give yourself a bit of time to grieve over that loss, but then mm. just get back on the horse again. And I suppose it's like interviews as well. Um, you know, if that interview didn't go well, we always look back, we ruminate and we have these regrets. But I think it's so important to try, obviously learn the lessons. If you did make a mistake, then clearly you need to rectify that. But it's about looking forward and not looking back and really trying to get clear as you're saying. Yeah, I think that, you know, to wrap that up, in my mind is that people often think like, oh, you, you know, you're always thinking about going back in the past. Well, sure, you have to go back yeah. in the past to understand it. Sure. Don't live in it. Yes. Like you, you're not you're not living in the past. What you're trying to do is understand it so that you can move forward in a more powerful way. And I think that's the key differentiator when you start to look at that time traveling. <laughs> so. And it reminds me of this uh, you know, this thing where people say, "Look, you can't live like you can't understand life going forwards. It's yes. only sort of looking back." And it's like Steve Jobs, or I think there's a philosopher Kierkegaard who talks about it. And mm -hmm. and I do think that is so true that yeah, and I'm not saying you should constantly be you know, ruminating, you know, looking back and um, ruminating, but it is worthwhile thinking about how have I got here? What are the things that have worked? But also what are the things that haven't worked? And you know, rather than waiting for things to be terrible, it's it's quite helpful to do that exercise if you can, if you do have time from time to time and ask yourself these questions. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you, you we need to really investigate our our lives and kind of say, hey, what's really going on here? Because we, we get an autopilot all the time. And I think you know, people think of autopilot as like, that's a great thing because it means I'm not getting involved and I can just kind of move forward. Yeah. But the problem is autopilot is not meant for um, the things that are important to our lives, like, you know, existential types of things where we have to question, where am I at? What am I doing? Why am I on this path? And so sometimes we got to step back and say, what's really going on here? Where do I want to spend my time and energy? You know, uh, am I on the right path? Am I on the right mountain? Um, those types of things, we have to sometimes step back and look. 
Yeah, no, love that. And uh, I had a guest on recently, and um, she had written a book about the the power of saying no. And, and actually, if you can figure out um, how to say no to the things that are not adding value to your life and really focus on the things that are, that's a very powerful time management tool. And and not that you are mean or rejecting you know, uh, requests from people, but it, it also does sort of go back to the whole idea of, self-love and self-worth and thinking about okay i have you know we all have a finite amount of time you know in a week or in our lives how can we use that time most productively to achieve the greatest value um i mean what, what do you think tony yeah i think that you're absolutely right i mean it's so spot on you know i think we need to take that time to reflect and and really understand that you know, saying no is is actually a doing service to other people and to ourselves. It's the most powerful thing. But it's not you know we we don't have to look at it as a negative because the no it actually creates a powerful bond between the people around us because it says that we are saying yes to the things that are important to us, and that might mean that the people who are around us know that we're important to them. And, and I suppose for our listeners out there, some of them may just find it difficult to um, assert themselves or they feel that by doing things in a contrarian way, they're upsetting the apple cart. It's about really understanding your own boundaries, understand and, and making sure that people understand that as well. Uh, and I have quite a few um female listeners on the show and i suppose also you you may have come across this tony as well with your uh, coaching clients that maybe they feel that they can't be too pushy and uh too assertive but actually that i think that's a very powerful lesson um for them yeah the amount of guilt that goes along with that because there's a there's a sense of like having to do it all um there's a lot of burden that a lot of women have and i think that you know we need to be able to help them to see, no, I mean, you have to be able to push back and realize boundaries are, have to be set and you have to be able to say, I'm not superhuman. I am a human and I have to be able to have time for myself. I need to be able to take care of the things that are important to me. And that might also mean it's not going to be perfect. And this idea of perfection is no longer acceptable. I think we have to stop that. And it's to stop with us. Like the, you know, we have to get the ideal that we are not perfect first yeah so, so if your sort of boss comes around to you and says you know can you organize a staff christmas party and and you're doing that for the fifth time i think you just have to say well why can't fred or tony or harsha do it yeah <laughs> they they haven't done it for a while um yeah. and i think that's quite a reasonable thing but sometimes people you know if you uh feel that you have to get on with people you you don't want to say no, but actually that's just burdening yourself. And and these are also non-promotable tasks, which are not going to help you get on in the firm as well, which you know, is unfortunate. Yeah. Which again, it points back to this idea that we need to change the way companies think about this stuff, where it's like, look, you know, we need to equally share the load of all types of, you know, you can't blame or guilt people into doing things. You know, I've seen that time and time again, and I think leaders have to start by changing the way they're they're putting this out there. It has to be very fair the way we're looking at sharing the load. Now, moving on to Thinkers 50 in London, which I just love. That was such an amazing event. So many amazing moments, you know, such bright, uh, talented people to connect with. Uh, was there anything particular that resonated with you? 
everything. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, from just from the the pure nature of the event, it was really powerful to see so many people that I had connected to virtually, yeah. had gotten to know virtually, but to see them for the first time in person and to really be able to strengthen the bond. I think that was something that really resonated with me. But in terms of the thought leadership in the room, this idea that we need to deepen um, human connection. And it wasn't just about like, could people think, oh, you know, it's about management thinking and thinking, which there was a lot of conversations about AI and diversity and inclusion and all that. And that was fantastic. But I think the thing that really resonated with me is this idea of how can we create better connection? And the other one that really was important to me, which is related, is mentorship, which I think oftentimes we forget how important it is to have mentors in our lives. I loved that particular aspect of of this um, event because we need to make sure we think about who in our world is helping us to become better us. You know, I just love that. And a big shout out to Ruth Gautien for her yeah. wonderful talk, uh, previous guest on the show. So yeah, love, love chatting with her. Um, I, I read, really, yeah, as you said, it was great to connect with the people who I, I met virtually. But what I also liked was, um, you know, our, our good friend Dory Clark's talk about yeah. you know, building, uh, connections and networking and how to do this in a, a nice way. And there are so many easy ways of doing it without having to feel, um, you know, transactional or, or making it transactional. Yes. It's really about trying to get to know people, trying to figure out what they're like. And then if you can find people who you get on with, it's so much easier to work with them because then work yeah. doesn't feel like a chore. It's like mm-hmm. a fun thing, you know, like us on the podcast. Th- this doesn't feel like work. This is just yeah. two people talking about you know, personal development and careers. And yeah, I think that's a, a quite a, ni- a nice thing and a, a powerful thing. Yeah. And I think what's, what's at the core of what, Dory shared is, and this is something that I've gotten to know because I've worked with Dory for a number of years now, and I think she's fantastic. But I think at the core of it all is that we make it harder than it needs to be. When we think of like networking or we think about like, you know, building connections, we think of it as something that's like, it's a chore. But the reality is it can be playful. It can be natural and it can be just things we do. Um, We have to, we often make it into this big molehill that we have to climb. And uh, you know, make it into something that's yeah. like a massive um, undertaking. No, just, you know, show up, be interested and create connections and don't come in with this like massive desire to like, I need this person to like me. I need this person to <laughs> come on my show. I need yeah. this person, you know, it's more of like, let's just build relationships and see where it goes. Who knows where this will lead to? My my tip is you need to follow Tony around and see <laughs> see who he's chatting with. But, but one of the really silly things, Tony, that happened was that um, I was getting some coffee and I had uh, picked up some croissant from another room. And I'm not really a pastry guy, but I was just absolutely starving that day. And then some chap comes up to me uh, and he looked familiar and he said, where do you get the croissant from? And I said, oh, I'd go to the other room. And then I suddenly realized it was somebody who I'd tried to connect with on, on LinkedIn and yeah. who, whose article I'd read. And I was just saying, oh, you know, I'll tell you where it is. But by the way, why didn't you accept my LinkedIn request? <laughs> Because I love your article, <laughs> you know, and obviously in a very playful sort of way. And yeah. uh, he was very, he, he was just laughing as well. And it just shows that 
the opportunities mm. are there the whole time. Um, mm. Now, if I just said, yeah, go, go, the croissants over there or ignored him or not being very friendly, um, which, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not normally inclined to do anyway, but it does to show that you can make connections the whole time um, yeah. without actually trying very hard. Just have yeah. some croissant on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, it's funny you mentioned this because I, I we didn't touch on this earlier, mm. but I'll say it here is that there's a sense of like, you know, just because someone doesn't accept your request or you send an email to somebody yeah. and they don't respond, like, we quickly go into like, oh my gosh, that person's like ghosting me or they hate me or this, the other thing. And I think that's the other lesson in all this is that like, my gosh, we're all busy. And we ultimately have to realize that we're all humans and we sometimes just need to have a couple of different, you know, touch points and sometimes serendipitous moments where we, you know, need to be offered a, you know, a, a croissant. Uh, directions to croissants. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I think that's the beauty of it is that you, you have to realize that it's not a no always. Sometimes there's a, it's just, you didn't hit the right button yeah. at the right time. And, and the other, I think, interesting thing is that, um, which I think Dory was talking about is be a wing man or wing woman for somebody yeah. else, because it's so much easier to go up to somebody and say, Hey, um, meet Tony. You know, he's the author of, of the, all these books and the host of the Virtual Campfire podcast. He's a great guy, you know, and yeah. it's much easier to blow somebody else's trumpet than your own. So yeah, and, and I, I I did that for, um, you know, one of my friends uh, at, the, at the conference. And it's so much easier to do that. And then she was doing it for me when, you know, we were meeting people and, and not in a sort of transactional way but because yeah. it was natural uh, and a shout out to sandy Sebequel for for this um and and it's so much easier to do that because yeah. you just don't feel as icky about the whole thing because it's not about you it's about that other person yeah that's brilliant i really love that because it's you know uh, another aspect of networking and just in in general uh, building connections is that you don't have to always make it about yourself but by lifting others up, we actually lift ourselves up. And I think that's the, the beauty of this is that, you know, that person appreciates it and they give it back in big droves. I mean, right now I'm in the process of, of launching a book and I have, um, I have to do it. I'm doing it in a very quick succession, yes. but I have a lot of great people who are helping me in this journey and I couldn't be more grateful. Um, and in them lifting me up, I'm actually appreciating that and looking to give back for all the people who have given to me. Brilliant. So it's awesome. Oh, fantastic. So Tony, we're coming up to the uh, end of our session. I loved having you on the show. So obviously your new book, can you tell us the title and when is it out um, and how can people get hold of it? And and also you as well. Oh, fantastic. So um, the new book is called Campfire Lessons for Leaders, How Uncovering Your Past Can Propel You Forward. And it's going to be available everywhere. December 6th is the um, is the launch date. You can find it, you know, Amazon's probably your best bet um, if that's where you buy your books, but it's in bookstores everywhere. A little bit about the book. It's um, based on my podcast, The Virtual Campfire. Um, It dives a little deeper into 10 big lessons I've learned through the people I've worked with on the podcast and some really beautiful stories um, uh, that I wanted to share with everyone. So so that's the book. Um, And then in terms of getting in touch with me, the best place to find me is at my website uh, at ipurposepartners.com. 
and also on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Yeah, because it's funny, because I was doing a search for Tony Martinetti. And there, there seems to be quite a few Tony Martinettis on the internet. Yeah, it's not TonyMartinetti.com uh, where you no. are. <laughs> But, no, it's but, so funny you say that because actually he and I know each other, TonyMartinetti.com and I are friends. We've actually, I've been on his <laughs> podcast before, so um, we've gotten to know each other through the years. So, And one final thing is, is there anybody, um, you know, one or two people who've helped you in your life or your career? Obviously, you gave a shout out to your lovely wife and son and family. Wow. I mean, again, the list could be very long, but um, I'll just start with Dory Clark. I can't tell you how much she has given to me. And so I'll definitely give Dory Clark a lot of credit. And another person who I will mention here is Jeff Shaw, Jeffrey Shaw. Yeah. Um, he's been uh, just a great person along my journey. He's been a, um, a really good confidant and a person who helps me with a lot of thinking and um, just a partner in crime, if you will. Yeah, no, no. Jeff's a good guy. I, I only met him for the first time in London. Um, it's a shame I didn't spend more time with him, but they're just so many people. But yeah, he's quite a, a cool looking dude. Definitely worth having on your show. He'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, once again, thank you so much. Uh, loved our chat. We could have gone on talking for part two and part three, but th- thank you once again, Tony, and, and have a good one. You too. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Take care, Tony. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such a fun interview. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers, and subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Wishing you success with your career. I hope you will join me again in the future.